First Peter chapter 4, we're in a series called All in the Family, and we're talking about the number one relationship in the family. When you talk about the family, when, you, when we talk about uh, building strong homes, strong Christian homes, uh, we talk about homes being, being built on the principles of the Bible. And the number one relationship in any home has to be the marriage. That has to be number one. So that's where we've started. We've started talking about building strong marriages. We've been talking about uh, asking, we've asked the question, what makes a solid marriage? And I have four pillars that we're going to be talking about. We've already covered one. We're on pillar number two today. We started it last week, the pillar of personal accountability. We're going to be talking about how to build a strong marriage and the biblical principles on which to build. If you would stand with me as we read God's word this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 say, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. You may be seated. We covered the pillar of personal faith as the first one. Now we've moved into the pillar of personal accountability and why it is so important. If you remember, as we talked about this, uh, I gave you a quote by Selena Frederick. She said, a strong marriage isn't magically built when, I, when you say I do. It's built on a lifetime of I do's. I do love you. I do cherish you. And I do choose you. You know, those are, that, that's good advice in the good times to remind yourself, but I think that's even better advice in the difficult times. Because a lot of times when marriage gets tough, when we get to those points in, in our marriage where it's a struggle, and even, you know, you can extrapolate this out beyond the marriage relationship to the parental relationship, and you can apply this to any relationship, Reminding yourself why you made the choice you made is incredibly important, especially when times get difficult. I chose this, and I do choose you, and I would choose you again. I do cherish you. I do love you. It's an incredibly important thing to remind ourselves of. We started talking about this pillar of personal accountability the need to be personally accountable in our marriage relationship. And we covered the first point of that last week. What makes up the pillar of personal accountability in marriage? Well, the first part is commitment and faithfulness. Commitment and faithfulness. And I asked the question, how do you show that? How do you show that commitment and faithfulness to your marriage? Remember, the number one thing we said was to make sure, make your spouse your priority. Make your spouse your priority. And we gave you a lot of practical ideas about how to do that, but gave you some scripture as well. And the second thing I said was constantly reassure and express your love. Constantly reassure your spouse that you love them and express that love. You can't do it enough. Constantly, constantly express and reassure your spouse of your love. And the third one was deeply theological don't do stupid stuff, right? Don't do the stupid stuff because God isn't in your stupid stuff. Don't do the stupid things that get, yourself, that, that get you into trouble. Don't do the stupid things that, that cause strife and cause difficulties. 
Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands here, but we've, I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again. We all know what annoys our spouse. You know what buttons to push, right? Oh, you don't have to say yes or no to that. That could be an internal. That can, that can be an internal answer there. If you have the courage to go ahead and speak it out loud, that's fine. But we all know what buttons to push. You know, sometimes that's the stupid stuff in life, pushing those buttons. Sometimes we do it just for fun, and it doesn't turn out to be fun. But don't do the stupid stuff. And the fourth thing we said was talk about your secrets, your hopes, and dreams, and hurts, and keep them sacred. Remember, keep it secret, keep it safe. Talk about your hopes and dreams and your hurts, and keep them sacred. That brings us to the second part of the pillar of personal accountability, and that part is trust. Trust. Trust in a marriage. How do you build it? How do you build trust in a marriage relationship? Ed Cole said this, a couple doesn't own their marriage. They are only the steward of their spouse's love. A couple doesn't own their marriage. They are only the steward of their spouse's love. What is he trying to say with that quote? We need to see our spouse as God sees them. See them through the eyes of God. As someone he created with great care and love, for so, as someone whom, for whom he has a purpose, and as, some, as someone for whom Jesus Christ died. That person that you chose as your spouse, that person that you committed your life to, is someone special in the eyes of God. Someone that is deeply loved and cared for by Jesus Christ, caring enough to die for them. And if we are going to build trust, we need to see our spouse through the eyes that Jesus sees them through as special, as a gift, as someone important enough to give breath to. What's the first thing I think we should do to build trust? Show loyalty. Show loyalty. Now, we are in Massachusetts. How many of you are transplants to Massachusetts? Or some of you live in Connecticut, I know. We've got a few Connecticut people. How many of you are uh, transplants? You've moved to Massachusetts and somewhere else. We have quite a few people who have moved in this area. Trying to understand a Massachusetts is a challenge. And I use Massachusetts. I don't use the other nickname that is used for Massachusetts people. Um, but we are a different breed. Now, New Englanders, period, are a different breed. But Massachusetts people especially are unique. Why? Because we are loyal. We are loyal to a fault. Starbucks, the reason Starbucks struggles, those of you who have moved in here and you think Starbucks is Jesus' favorite drink, you have no clue what you're talking about. And the reason there's not a Starbucks on every corner is because you're in Massachusetts. Uh, our blood runs Duncan. Duncan is our coffee. That's just the name of the game. That's just the name of that tune. Your town is not a real town unless it has its own Duncan. That's just the truth of the matter. You go out in the Midwest, your town isn't a real town unless it has a Walmart. Here in Massachusetts, your town isn't a real town unless it has its own Duncan. 
We put Dunkin' drive-thrus in our, in our uh, gas stations. We make every excuse possible to have, I think when you go to Fenway Park, last time I was at Fenway Park, there's a Dunkin' Donuts in Fenway Park. Fenway Park sponsors all the, ba all the sports teams throughout New England, that's it. And we drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee. We're loyal. Did you know that Massachusetts, I believe it's number three, it might be number four now, from the bottom of states for fast food restaurants. It used to be number two, used to be the second worst state in the country to have a fast food restaurant. Number one was Alaska. So we were number two. You know why? Because we support mom and pop shops. We support neighborhood restaurants. In fact, Domino's Pizza can't get a real foothold in Massachusetts. Now it has a niche market, no doubt about it, but it, it can't get a foothold like it does in the rest of the country because we support our local pizzerias. Now you may think that's crazy, and those of you who are watching us from other parts of the country, or those of you who moved in, you may think that's crazy, but that's New England, that's Massachusetts, man. We're loyal. We're a loyal bunch of people. We, and, and that's why it's so difficult to get to know us. That's why it's so difficult. We are La Cosa Nostra, right? We're the mafia. <laughs> you, man, it's tough to get into us. It's tough to get into our world. Once you're in, you're in. You're in for life. But it's very difficult to break in to a New Englander. The New England men mentality is very, very different. In fact, when I was in college, in, uh, I, I had to write papers in English. And I got to understand, I was old when I went to college. And uh, so some of the stuff I didn't take as serious as I, I took it seriously. I did the work. But it wasn't like an 18-year-old going to college who was trying to prove to the world that they exist. I had fun with it. And I had to write a paper in English. Uh, uh, it was a comparison contrast paper. And I wrote uh, on to be a New Englander or not to be at all. And it was like, in New England, we think we're, the world revolves around us. And you're privileged to be part of us. And that's, that's our mentality. We are loyal. The whole point here is we are loyal here in New England. We're loyal to our brands. We're loyal to whatever team you choose, you're loyal to your team. When football season rolls around in this church, you start to see uh, we tolerate each other here. I show great grace when I allow Cowboys fans to walk in that door on Sunday mornings. That's just, that's just sin right there. But, eh, dream on. But we're loyal. And we stay with what we've, what we've chosen. That loyalty that we bring to our lives as New Englanders is the kind of loyalty we need to bring to our marriages. You need to be loyal to your spouse. And if you will be loyal, you will build trust. You will begin to build trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 say, Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Never lose loyalty. Never lose loyalty. If God says loyalty is so important in our relationships, we need to take it seriously. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to build a strong marriage, if you want to build trust in your marriage, you will start by building loyalty. How do you build loyalty? How do you breed loyalty in your marriage? How do you show loyalty? Here's one, one easy way. Defend your spouse. 
defend your spouse. Now, I am of the old school where um, you don't, you don't, as a man, you don't speak a certain way to my wife because I don't care what the situation is. You will treat my wife with respect or you will face me. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to start a fight with someone. Don't get me wrong. But I will get in the middle and I will make sure I shut you down because you're not going to talk to my wife that way. You're just not going to do it. When, when it's just guys and guys are having talk like guys, you don't talk about my wife as a sex object. You just don't do it. Now, I know guys that talk like that. When I worked the docks, there were guys that would talk like that. And if anybody would ever mention uh, somebody else's wife, I couldn't understand how guys would not stand up and say, keep your mouth shut when you're talking about my wife. Don't even speak. You have no business talking about my wife like that. You'll defend your wife. Hey, it goes beyond that. Let's, let's get a real practical here. What's the biggest area of life that you need to defend your spouse with? Your family. Let's remember something. The Bible says one of the, the very first command that God gave to Adam when he, create, when he created Eve and gave Eve to Adam as his, uh, as, as, as his partner. He said, a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. What's difficult there is that there's no DNA in a marriage relationship. That's a choice. The DNA comes from the family. But I'll tell you what, you want to wreck a marriage, you want to destroy trust in a marriage, Take your family's side over your spouse. Stand up for your, uh, stand, stand with your parents over your spouse. It's going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble. Why? Because your spouse will not think that you are loyal to them. And you're not going to build trust. Because if you, won't even, if you won't even defend me in front of your family, or you won't even support me in front of your family, what are you saying when you're not around me? You must show loyalty. You must defend your spouse. Your spouse should always be your number one. Listen, one of the great challenges we have in society today, in, in, marriages, in marriages today in America, is blended families. Right? Blended families are incredibly difficult. Some of us bring other children to a marriage that are not children of our spouse. What do you do there? Can I get personal for a minute? I don't have a relationship with my two oldest daughters. You know why? Because they don't respect my wife. Well, Pastor John, how can, you, how can you not? Because she's my number one. It took me a while to learn that. And it took me a while to get to that point. But she's my number one. She needs to be my number one. She needs to know that I'm with her. She can trust me because I'm loyal to her. Listen, I don't care whether you like my shoes. I don't care whether you like my socks. I don't care whether you like anything about me or not. None of that matters. What matters to me is that my wife knows I'm loyal to her because I need her to trust me. I want her to trust me. Why? Because I want my marriage to last. Did you know that the average, <laughs> the average young person today, when they're asked the question, how long do you expect your marriage to last? Do you know what the answer is? Five years. Five years. That is the expectation 
for the, young, the younger generation today when they enter marriage. Why even get married? If you're only expecting it to last five years, why even begin? You know it takes an average of seven years to finish college? People give more commitment to getting a college degree than they do to have a successful marriage. Why? Because they don't show loyalty. There's no trust. They don't build trust. How else do you build trust? You be reliable. Be reliable. Make sure they can count on you. Listen, you may not be able to do what you once were able to do, but you can do what you can do. Right? You may not be able to do everything on, on time and when your spouse wants you to do it, but you can get around to it and you can make it a priority. Be reliable. If you say you're going to do it, follow through and do it. Be reliable. Luke 16, 10 says, Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. You build trust in the little things. You build trust in the day-to-day little things. For those of you who have children, you'll know that it takes teamwork to make that dream work, right? Absolutely. In in mornings in our house, there are definite things that we have to get done to get the boys to school. And Erin and I have just kind of settled in a routine where she does, she'll, uh, we we know that their clothes have to be laid out. Uh, You don't, if we were to send our boys to get dressed in the morning, oof, Michael would choose, I mean, Michael would be very, let's, let's use the word, eclectic. Michael, Michael would be very free-spirited and eclectic in what he chose to wear. One day, we let him pick out his clothes, and he wore dress shoes with a pair of jeans. That was very sharp. He had a dress shirt on and a vest, and he had a little chapeau hat he going to wear. Very Puerto Rican, okay? Very, very Puerto Rican going to, going to school. And uh, we let Gabriel pick out. And Gabriel, Gabriel's, Gabriel's like me. Gabriel goes, and he picks out a jersey, a pair of shorts, and puts on his sneakers. You have to remind him to put on socks. That's just them. But we, we lay that, we know their clothes have to be laid out. We know that someone has to uh, take care of breakfast. And, and one of uh, you, breakfast is usually my thing, unless it's Pop-Tarts. And we know that they have to brush their teeth. And the big thing in our house, for those of you who have kids that take medicine in the morning, it's medicine. And uh, medicine, is the, medicine is usually my deal, although mom can, mom can get that done now. And then brushing teeth. And I usually take care of brushing teeth. When it comes to hair, listen, that's a foreign concept to me. <laughs> so I don't touch their hair. If it was up to me, they'd go to hair, they, they'd go to school with, like, my boys, you know, you see them, they have hair. Even while Aaron takes care of their hair. And Aaron makes sure. And, and I didn't, because, because they're boys of color, they put, Aaron makes sure they put lotion so their skin doesn't look ashy. So she puts lotion on their skin every day. They hate it. But she does it to make sure that they are presentable. She's like, John, I'm not going to send my boys to school like that. Like, oh, okay. I just want them out of the house, man. Just, you know. <laughs> but we work together. And we know that if we're going to make the morning happen, we need to work together. We need to work together. We need to be able to trust each other. And we need to be able to be reliable. If I say I'm going to... 
boy, I'm going to make sure the boys brush their teeth. Better brush their teeth. And our boys, you know whether they brush their teeth or not. They have morning breath. But we need to be reliable. My spouse, my wife needs to trust me and needs to know that I'm reliable. Gentlemen, ladies, your spouse needs to know that you are reliable in the little things as well as the big things. Do what you say you'll do. Unreliability and recklessness cause suspicion and block trust. Unreliable, uh, unreliability and recklessness cause suspicion and block trust. Next thing we need to do is show respect. This, this just sounds like it should be so obvious, but it's not. Because we are the most, say this, I'll just be blunt about it. We're the most disrespectful nation in the world right now. We are so disrespectful to each other. You know, we can't even have an honest, most people today can't have an honest conversation. Just a real conversation. You know why? Because nobody wants to understand each other. Let's just call it what it is. Republicans hate Democrats and Democrats hate Republicans. There's no middle ground, man. That's just where we are. And we are a nation that doesn't know how to respect each other. And because of that, in homes, many homes, many people don't know how to respect each other. In business practices, everywhere, respect is such a struggle to see nowadays. God forbid you're a person that doesn't want to get vaccinated today. Listen, I, I've been vaccinated. I have no problem with it. I, I got the vaccine. You know why I trusted it so much? Because I was in the Army. Melvin went through basic training. We were, we were human pincushions. They gave us so many shots and so many vaccines, it wasn't funny. So I, my dad, my dad, he, was, he served for 20 years, and he had so many vaccines. And, and everywhere he went, he'd go to the Far East, he'd go to the Caribbean, he'd go to Europe, he'd go all over the place, the Mediterranean. And you have to get vaccines when you go. When, we, when I went to Germany, we had to get Plague 1 and Plague 2. So vaccines are no big deal to me. I get the flu shot every year. But I understand some people have a problem with it. And I understand some, uh, some communities of color have a problem with it for a real good reason, because they haven't been respected by the, by the government and they've been used as guinea pigs. So I get it. So I, I get it because it's not a big deal. Secondly, I get it so that other people can see that it's safe. But if you don't want to get the vaccine, then don't get the vaccine. That's up to you. I'm not going to disrespect you and think you're a lousy person just because you don't want to get a vaccine. And I'm surely not going to blame the downfall of society on your choice not to get vaccinated. Yet in the news today, everybody, we pick out different groups to pick on to make sure that, we, they, that they know we don't like the fact that they didn't get the vaccine. And they're the reason that we're all going to have to keep wearing masks. If white evangelical men in America today would get vaccinated, then the whole problem would go away. Really? Come on. Can we just have respect for each other? And in the marriage relationship, it's that much more important that you respect your spouse and not just respect them, but that they know you respect them. Respect them as an equal. Respect them as a contributor. Respect them as someone who has great value. One of the biggest problems we have with respect 
And the reason we have struggles with respect is because, and I'm not, I'm not speaking ill of this, I'm just going to be honest about it, is because we, nowadays, <laughs> we're two-income families. And we have to designate one as the breadwinner. And the breadwinner is the one that makes more money. And for men, so many men are threatened by their wives making more money than they do. Hey, I... I <sighs> Unless you see it as a team, you're not going to get it. When we first brought Gabriel and Michael into the house, ever since we've been married, Erin Aaron earned, she didn't just out-earn me when we got married, she out-earned me by over two to one. She was, she was more than doubling my pay. She's my sugar mama. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but... That was never a problem for me. That didn't, that didn't threaten my manhood. It didn't threaten my masculinity. It didn't threaten my, my importance to the home. Because I know she married me and not my bank account. And I married her and not her career. And when we brought Gabriel and Michael into the house, for those of you who were in the church at that time, you know that when we brought them in, I moved my office up to the house. We were living in the brick house at the time. And I moved my office up there, and I became a stay-at-home dad. And I worked from the home, and my main responsibility during the day was to take care of Gabriel and Michael so Aaron could continue in her career. No problem at all. You know what? I never resented her for that, and she never held it over my head. Why? Because we respect each other. We respect each other. We respect the fact that both of us are willing to bring to this marriage and, this re- and the family building what we need to bring to make it successful. You need to respect your spouse. Respect their contribution. Respect their effort. Respect their desires, their wants, and their needs. Proverbs 3.27 says, what, When it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one to whom it belongs When it is within your power, show the respect that they deserve. Give them respect. You'll be surprised how far that goes. And the fourth thing, uh, fourth area of, of if you want to build trust, learn from your mistakes. We're all going to make them. We're all going to make mistakes. You probably count on one hand already today the mistakes I've made going to make mistakes. No doubt about it. You're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. Hey, ladies, your husband's going to make mistakes. He's going to do, do something stupid. Husbands, your wife's going to mess up. She's going to do something that gets under your skin. Big, big, <laughs> a big issue when I was growing up in our home, I, I grew up those of us who grew up in that generation, we grew up before big screen TVs, right? If you had a 20, what was it, 21 inch TV? That was a big TV, man. If you had a, con- we had a console. Remember the console TVs that had the, they had the turntable in them and you put the, the vinyl albums inside and had the speakers and all that? We had one of those. I'll tell you what. If there was a baseball game or a football game on and you walked in front of the TV, ooh, buddy, not good. Not good. Don't, you wait there until this play is over. 
we're all going to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. It's not the mistake you make, it's how you handle it that matters. And it's not the mistake you make, it's the lesson you learn from it that matters. So learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Proverbs 9, 9 says, instruct the wise and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and he will learn more. Always try to be better. Always try to do better. A desire to improve shows commitment, shows a deep commitment to build trust. A desire to improve shows a deep commitment to build trust. I want to be better. Why? So that my wife will trust me more. I want to act in public in a better manner. Why? So my wife will trust me more. I want to, uh, I, I want to make sure that when I speak to others, when I, the way I compose myself, my deportment in public, I want to make sure I do things right. And at home, I want to make sure I do, the thing, do things the way my wife wants them done. Why? Because I want, to know, I want her to know I respect her. I want to learn from my mistakes. The third way we build trust is this, communication. Effective communication. How do you master it? How do you master communication? The first thing, and this is the toughest one. Oh man, this is so difficult. Be a great listener. Be a great listener. Now, for those of you who have known Aaron and I since we've been dating, you'll know that there was a time where we talked over each other a little bit. A little bit. We had a real tough time letting each other finish a sentence. Why? Because we wanted to be heard. And it took, a it took a while for us to learn to trust each other that we would listen, that it wasn't just about being heard, that it was about listening as well. And now we're much better. Now there are times where we actually allow each other to finish a complete thought. You know why we interrupt people so much? Because we want to be heard. Because we have a point that needs to be made right then. I have found now that as I have begun to listen to Aaron more, and it happens to her as well, she always blames it on my age. I can't blame that on her. Um, but it, it's happened where I've been listening and she's been saying something and I've got a great, great point that I, th I think is a great point to make, but I let her finish talking then I forget it. And I realize, I, I figure if I forget the point I wanted to make then it really wasn't that important anyway. Be a great listener. Learn how to listen. Dave Willis said, taking the time to truly listen to someone can, can, can communicate our love and respect even more than our spoken words. Sometimes people just need to be heard. Sometimes your spouse just needs to be heard. You moms that, or dads, I mean today, the, those of you who stay at home with kids, the ones who aren't home, the, the spouse that isn't home, understand that spouse, all they do is have childish conversation all day long. That's it. It's childish conversations all day long. So when they see an adult human being that can, that can speak, they want to talk. And maybe, just maybe, within you, you need to say, you know what? I'm just going to listen. 
I'm just going to, when I say, how was your day? I really do mean I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say. Be a great listener. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Remember what your grandmother said? You, God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen twice as much as you talk. Catherine Pulsifer said, it's hard to listen when you're talking or thinking of a response. And it is. When all you're trying to do is think of how you're going to respond, you're not listening very well. So think, listen, listen to that person. Think before you speak. Why? Because words matter. Words matter. I remember when I was a kid, I don't hear that, that much anymore, but I remember when I was growing up, the whole, the whole sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me was the mantra, right? That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. I'll tell you what, I'd rather take a physical beating than a verbal beating. Why? First of all, in a physical beating, I have an opportunity to fight back. I have an opportunity to defend myself. I may not win, but I'll, I can at least defend myself. And I can give as good as I get. In a verbal beating, sometimes I got nothing. And you just have to, and those words dig deep. Those words hurt. They hurt. Because more times than that, I, I come from what you know, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what's in the heart comes out from the mouth. So someone says something to me, I take it seriously. Somebody says something to me that hurts, it hurts. There's a great song on Christian radio right now, if you, if you haven't heard it. Maybe you've heard the song Mean Girls on Christian radio. If you haven't heard it, do yourself a favor and, and look it up on YouTube or look it up on uh, Spotify or iTunes and listen to the song Mean Girls. I forget the, uh, the singer, um, but the song is powerful. There's one line in there that says, mean girls are the reason I change my clothes a thousand times before I go out the door. And it's all about how words hurt and words hurt more than anything. We need to understand that our words matter. What we say matters. For those of you who are in public life, that your, your job takes you in front of the public, you know how valuable it is to choose the right words. In our marriage relationship, we need to make sure that we understand how desperately, deeply words matter and how much trouble and how much pain they can cause. Matthew 15, verses 36, uh, Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37 say, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be, acqu be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. God takes your words very seriously. God takes what you say and how you say it very seriously. And he says, you will be judged according to what you say. All the words you use. You've been given two ears to hear your spouse. Listen to them. You've been given two eyes to observe your spouse. See them. You've been given one mouth to speak to your spouse. Respect them. 
You need to build trust with your spouse. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Next thing we need to do that will build trust is this. We need to share the truth with love. Many of us are are real big on sharing the truth. There's not a whole lot of love behind it. We're all about truth. Truth matters. Truth is important. Truth is what we need. Speaking the truth in love is a whole different story. Nelson Millard said, the only people who are mad at you for speaking the truth are those who are living a lie. Speak the truth, but do it with love. James Faust says, honesty is more than not lying. It's truth telling, truth speaking, truth living, and truth loving. Share the truth with love. You want to earn trust with your spouse? Share the truth with love. If you don't like something, if there's something that that is bothering you, share the truth with love. If you have a question, if you have a concern in your marriage, don't let it fester, but also don't be accusatory. Listen, my wife knows something, and you probably picked it up because I mention it quite often. I'm very protective of our relationship when it comes to other men. My wife's a, a, a very attractive woman. She's got a great personality. And uh, I know that men are unscrupulous, and a lot of men are, and a lot of men just don't have a problem with going after another man's wife in today's generation. There was a time when that wasn't true, but it's true today. And I have an issue with that. I had to be honest with my wife about that because she didn't understand where I was coming from. And she really didn't think it was that big of a deal. Not that she was a flirt, not that she was taking the, all the, t- looking for all the compliments. Not that, that's not what it was about. She just didn't see it from my perspective. And I had to explain it to her. And whether you want to psychoanalyze me and say that comes from a place of insecurity, you might be right. Who knows? But that's not the point. The point is it bothers me. And if it's going to bother me and cause a problem, she needs to take it seriously. And we need to be able to talk about it, and I need to talk to her about it truthfully with love. Not accusing her, not saying, you know what? You're showing so, so and so too much attention. I don't put it on her. I talk to her about my issue, my problem, my struggle with love to try to resolve the issue. We all have those issues in our marriage. We all have that we're humans and we have struggles in relationships. Make sure that when you talk these things out, when you bring them to your spouse, you're doing it truthfully, but you're also doing it with love because you don't want your truthful question or comment to cause damage. You want it to build and strengthen. Ephesians 4.15 tells us just that. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way unto him who is the head, Christ. When you speak the truth, when you try to work out issues in your marriage... You should do so with the intent of building your marriage stronger in Christ. 
I want to handle this issue so that we can be a stronger, godly couple. I want to, to settle this problem. I want to talk to you about this. I want to share this. I want to be vulnerable with you right now about this matter so that you can understand me better, so that we can be stronger as a couple, stronger in Christ, so that our marriage can honor Jesus Christ more. Speak the truth with love. And the fourth thing, if you want to build trust, lastly, and I think this is so, so, so important for marriages, folks, leave the past in the past. Leave the past in the past. Some of you, this is your second marriage, maybe third marriage. Some of you might be more than that. Some of you uh, might have dated people that your spouse knew when you were in high school or college. People that you're still around. Some of you might have done really stupid stuff at the beginning of your marriage. That's, if guys are going to do stupid stuff, it's usually in the first couple of years because we're guys. If you forgive, let it go. Keep the past in the past. Stop bringing it up. Stop beating your spouse over the head with their mistakes. You know what? There's going to come a time when you're going to make a mistake. Do you want to get beat up with it? No. Leave the past in the past. Learn how to forgive. An unknown author said this, forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. You're not giving them a pass. You're just saying, I'm not going to allow myself to be burdened down with this anymore. I'm just not going to allow myself to be worn out anymore. I had a situation in my life where I needed to grant for, I needed, I needed to apologize to another man. It was weighing me down, man. It was wearing on me. And I apologized. And the weight lifted. Whether that apology is, ever, apology is ever accepted or not is not my issue. And it's not my problem. Because I, in all honesty and out of a true heart, apologized. And what's the Corey Ten Boom saying? Uh, forgiveness is what sets a prisoner free and you find out that that prisoner was you. So true. So true. In your marriage, you need to be able to honestly grant forgiveness and leave the past in the past. Let go of their exes. Let go of their foolish mistakes. Even let go of their hurtful words and actions. Mahatma Gandhi, one of the most quotable human beings ever to live, I think after Martin Luther King Jr., said this, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. Forgiveness doesn't show weakness, and that's what we're all afraid of, isn't it? If I, if I apologize, I'm going, to, I'm going to look weak. I'm going to say that I was wrong. Well, you know what? You were. Big deal. Stop trying to, stop trying to put so much, stop putting so much emphasis on always being right. 
Sometimes being, sometimes doing the right thing is more important than being right. And sometimes we feel like if we don't grant forgiveness or if we don't let go of the past, we're losing our power. We're losing power in that situation. Well, I've got nothing to hold over their head anymore. Well, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing? Doesn't that give freedom? Doesn't that take away a weight that now allows that relationship to grow and thrive? Galatians 5, 25 and 26 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Can I close this out by saying this? Folks, if you cannot forgive your spouse, your marriage will never survive. If you can't forgive your spouse, your marriage will never survive. Because if you can't forgive, you will always be blocking trust. And trust is vital to a successful marriage. If you can't forgive your spouse, if you can't let go of the past, if you can't put it behind you and move forward, your marriage isn't going to survive. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. It's not going to survive. Now, you may stay married. Well, Pastor John, we're going to stay married. I'm I'm never going to get divorced. (laughs) I've had people tell me that. I'm never going to get divorced. You know what, you can, be, you can be married but not be in a marriage. Did you know that? You can be married and not be in a marriage. You can be married and live complete, com- completely separate lives. Take separate vacations, sleep in separate rooms, have a separate set of friends. You do nothing together, you're just married. You get a tax break, I guess. So you can be married but not in a marriage. If you want your marriage to survive, you've got to learn how to build trust. And you've got to start doing it today. I challenge you. Start building that pillar of personal accountability and make trust a vitally important part of your marriage relationship. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today, for the privilege of being able to come together and worship and fellowship. Thank you for the day we were able to celebrate today, mothers, celebrate what our moms have done for us in our lives. Lord, I pray that those of us who still have mom around will let her know how special she is to us. Those of us who don't, Lord, I pray that you'll give us the courage to remember, even with a fresh tear, what mom meant to us and how she's influenced our lives for the good. Lord, as we go from this place today, I pray that you'll bless us. I pray that we'll honor you. And I pray that everything we do will bring glory to your name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Dismiss us today with your blessings. May we go forward as worshipers of you. In your name we pray. Amen.